0: sing this again. How great. How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our
1: God. Oh, see how great
0: Go ahead, clap our hands and give him some honor again and praise Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God, we love you, Jesus, and we give you praise. Amen. Matthew chapter 7, if you have a Bible, good. we're so glad to have everyone here. Good to see Sister Jenny and her family again and, and all of our guests that are here. Amen. If you could stand just for a few moments for the reading of the Word of God. And I know all that noise in the hallway will calm down in just a couple minutes. Uh, In fact, you might want to shut those doors. They're being pretty loud out there. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, starting at verse 1. It says, Judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold the beam that is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye." And from this, I would like, and you'll get the idea of where I'm going with this in a moment, but i like to use as a title, how do you measure? How do you measure? Jesus, once again, we are so very grateful for the privilege that we have to be in your house and to feel your presence and to know that you are here and to feel your manifest presence in this place. And we're so very grateful. We're thankful for everyone that's here. They are not here by accident, Lord. It's by your, your judgment, your design that they are here today. And so there's something in this message that will minister to their hearts. We claim that in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. you may be seated. Now, in Mark, the uh, similar reading to what I just read to you, I'm going to go ahead and read it because it helps to emphasize a little bit of where I'm going. In Mark chapter 4, verses 21 through 24, it says, And he said unto them, Is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed and not to be set on a candlestick? For there is nothing hid which shall not be made or be not manifest. Neither was anything kept secret, but that it should come abroad. In verse 23, he he says, if any man have ears to hear, let him hear. Now, for a moment, I'm going to stop there. I'm going to go to verse 24 in a moment. Uh, But in the book of Revelation, uh, you will see that that statement is said seven times. It's referred to all seven of the churches that are listed in the beginning of the book of Revelation. And the same statement is said, if any man have have an ear to hear, let him hear. In verse 24, now, that being said, in verse 24, there's some very key points that are being uh, brought out here. In verse 24, it says, and he said unto them, Take heed what you hear. I'm going to get back to that in just a moment. But he says, with what measure you meet, it will be measured to you. And unto you that hear shall more be given. So going back to the beginning of verse 24, it says, And he said unto them, Take heed. He says, Take heed what you hear. Now the reason that that statement grabs a hold of my attention is this how can you really take heed what you hear I mean you hear what you hear right it's not like you can say all right I don't want to hear that or I don't want to hear that if if some if there's a sound coming forth if there's a voice or a statement or somebody is speaking to you you can ignore it but if you hear it you hear it and so the man of God here says take heed what you hear and so I'm going to get into that in a moment. But Mark has a different uh, thought than Matthew and Luke do, talking about the same verses of Scripture. And the thought of taking heed what you hear is something that's intriguing to me. What it's basically saying this is this, that each person is accountable for what he or she does with what they hear. So if you have heard the gospel... You are responsible to respond to the gospel. If you hear the word of God, then it is to bring forth a response in your life. He that has an ear to hear, let him hear, is what the Bible says. So when it says, take heed what you hear, it's saying that you are responsible. So Jesus is applying this principle even to his own teaching That we are responsible for what we hear. Number one is that we are responsible to the truth to obey it. And the second thing is that we are to not only hear the truth and obey it, but then we are responsible for sharing it. Amen? I hope you're going to help me out this morning. So we are responsible to hearing it, obeying it, and then sharing it. And then the third thing is that we are to reject false teaching, false preachers, false doctrines. So thus, if, if, if the crowds do not obey what light they have received, they would never receive more. Or if we, as individuals, hear from the Word of God and we don't receive it, then we will not receive more. So the language... A measuring here is talked in, talked about in those verses, and in a sense, it's more. And I've got a little, you know, measuring tape up there on the screen, but the the definition or the the way it's approaching the Word of God is is like weights and measures, like those of you that cook, you go by uh, ounces and gallons and things like that. You're, there's a certain weight of measurement to. You know, a, a tablespoon of this and, a, uh, you know, a, a pinch of that. And that's really where the idea of measurement is coming from. But it's it's not a stretch to talk about measurement as in uh, like a tape measure or a yardstick, something like that. and That's kind of the approach I'm going to take this morning. But the way that Mark is looking at it is this. He's saying, be careful what you hear. And if you hear the truth, you are to act upon it. He that hath an ear, let him hear, is what he says. So, so don't listen to everything. Be sure that what you hear is godly, and you have the responsibility to rightly divide the word of truth. Now, in Luke chapter 6, again, this is very similar to the other verses we read, starting at verse 37. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned, forgive, and you shall be forgiven. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the, here's here's the verse now, for with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. And then in Matthew 7, verse 2 from the NIV, the New International Version, it says, for in the same way you judge others, You will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you again. So you kind of get the foundation of what I'm talking about. Mark or Matthew and Luke seem to um, uh, be uh, uh, recounting, in a sense, the words that Jesus said, and and they are both similar in those both of those versions. But and they are talking about being careful how you measure someone, uh, and you will be judged by that same measurement. So. The measurement spoken of here is a weight or a portion, uh, like an ounce, a cup, a gallon, as I mentioned before. But it can be also, as I studied that out, what's called an lot by rule, which simply means uh, or implies that it is a measurement like a ruler. And so on the front table here, the communion table, there, is, uh, there are some measuring devices there. There is a tape measure, there is a yardstick, and then there is a ruler. A measurement is a fixed size or standard. Now, some of you, like Brother Carlos, that are involved in construction type things, you're always using a tape measure or a laser measure, as he has. He's got a fancy one. I, I go. I'm old school. I've got a tape measure, and so you're always measuring by inches and feet and uh, certain lengths. And Brother James knows about construction and things as well. And so so you know very well what a measurement is all about. And so by interpretation, what it means is whatever measure the verses we're talking about, he's saying by whatever measure you apply apply to others, you will be measured by that same measurement. Now, I hope that this message is a little bit of a caution to us, but it ought to also be an excitement, and I'm going to get into some things later that will help us. But if you suggest that other people should forgive, you're right. Amen. But if you ask somebody else to forgive, my question to you is, are you forgiving? In fact, the Bible tells us that if you don't forgive, you will not be forgiven. Jesus says in Luke 6, 37 and 38, he talks about it this way. He says, judge not, and you shall not be judged. Amen? Then he goes on, he says, condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. He goes on from there, and he says, forgive, and you shall be forgiven. In verse 38, he says, give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give unto your bosom. Then he says this at the end. He says, for with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. And so if I was to step down here today, and these are all standard measurements. We've got a, just a standard one-foot ruler, and we have got a standard yardstick. My mom used to chase me around with one of these quite often. And she didn't use it this way. She would use it that way. There is a big difference. Maybe you won't get that until later. but. And then there is a standard tape measure. And, you know, all of these can be used in construction and building and things like that. But what the Word of God says is by what measure you hold somebody else to, you're going to be held to that same measurement. And so if we refuse to forgive somebody, then forgiveness is not going to come your way. But if you do forgive someone, then that same measurement is going to be meted back to you. Now, there's some principles in the Word of God. There's kind of like the negative side and the positive side of this. The negative side is that if you refuse to forgive, you will not be forgiven. And so there is an entanglement that happens as a result of that. But look at the scripture that we talked about just a moment ago. It says when you give, in God's economy, it says give and it shall be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. So in a positive side of this equation, what God is saying is, uh, if you will do right, you are going to be not only blessed, but you're going to be greatly blessed. But here's what I feel like the Lord wants to talk to us about today, and this is something that we used when we were building this building here because we needed more than just a 30-foot tape measure to put this up here. And so, Brother Duru... on to that. So now in my life, if I refuse to forgive someone, there's this measurement that begins to start out. And as I walk through life, you can just stay there, sit down, hang on to that, don't let it go. So I'm walking through life, there you go, and I've got all these relationships going on, I've got all of these situations going on in my life, and I refuse to forgive this one, and I refuse to listen to that one, and I refuse to hear the word of God in that situation. And so there is this tape measure that's going on from year to year, day to day, hour to hour. And the Bible says that whatever measurement you, ha- you meet out is going to be measured to you again. So if in your life you refuse to re- to forgive this person and that person and you got these situations and those situations going on there's an entanglement that begins to happen and what God's word said it says is that whatever measurement you go by is the measurement I am going to judge you by and here's the problem is we want to be forgiven, but sometimes we want to harbor bitterness and, and, and all kinds of things that have happened in our life, and we forgive the, we, we forget or, or we refuse to forgive this person or that person, and we think that somehow we're going to be okay, but we're not going to be okay. Because the Word of God tells us that He is going to judge us by the things that we do and the things that we don't do. And so the reality is this that we have got to go through life with a spirit of forgiveness. Uh, you've got to drop those things that have happened in your past uh, because it's all it's going to do is entangle you further and further and further. It's not going to get easier. It's not going to get better. That trouble is just going to keep on going in your life, and you've got all these entanglements and all these things going on, uh, and you think everything's okay, and you come to church, and you worship the Lord, uh, but yet there's all this mess going on in your life. Uh, the word of God says what measure you meet uh, in other words child of God uh, if you demand something of somebody else uh, the word of God is going to demand it of you if you say this is how they should live then that's how you should live So many times we hold other people to a higher standard than we hold ourselves. I think I still got some more of this. I'll say that again. What something I believe and it happens too often is we hold other people to this high standard uh, and oh I expect this of you and I expect this. Uh, but yet when it turns right around, we say, no what? You know what? I got a reason I can harbor all of that bitterness because what you did to me is pure evil. But it, listen, and it might have been pure evil, and it might have been the worst thing that ever happened in your life. Uh, but if you truly want forgiveness, uh, if you truly want freedom, then the only thing you can do is to let it go. You've got to let it go. And so some people will say, but you don't know what happened to me when I was eight years old. Or you don't know what happened to me when I was a teenager. Well, maybe I don't or maybe I do. But I know this, the only person that you're hurting is yourself. Because when you can't forgive and you won't let it go, then there's this measurement that's being applied to you. And you've got to learn that if you want freedom, you've got to turn it over to God and you've got to give it back to him. Let's worship the Lord. Brother Duru, maybe you can wind that thing back up for
1: us.
0: (laughs) Amen. We're going to keep Brother Duru busy here for just a moment. Uh, Amen. And I I know that's kind of a lengthy and a long uh, description and and idea there, but I think it's a very important one. Uh, Amen. Why did Jesus... Call the Pharisees hypocrites. Uh, In Matthew 23, 23 and uh, 24, he says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Uh, He says, You pay. Mint, uh, you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin. In other words, small herbs. Uh, but you have omedi- omitted the weighti- weightier ma- measures of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. Uh, these ought you to have done and not leave the others undone. He says, you blind guides which strain at a gnat uh, and swallow a camel. There's, when I first got in the church and I read that, those verses for the first time, When I read you strain at a gnat and swallow a camel, is there anybody else that that just brings this mental picture to you? You know how to eat a camel? One bite at a time. But there there's this concept is that you can swallow a camel or you can swallow something that is huge, but then you strain at a gnat. If any of you have ever ridden a motorcycle, you know what it's like to swallow bugs. Don't open your mouth when you're driving a motorcycle. All right. If you've ever driven a motorcycle and you're going down the highway and you've got one of those big June bugs that hits you in the forehead and almost knocks you off the motorcycle, you know what I'm talking about. But he talks about straining at a gnat. In other words, you've got that tiny little bug and you strain to get that down, but you can swallow this big thing. Well, too often we make mountains out of molehills. Jesus' problem with the Pharisees was not with how much they knew, but it was with how much they were applying. His problem was, was the fact that they were, they were applying certain things and they added different measures to them than they did others. In other words, the Pharisees didn't want to judge themselves, but they were happy to judge others. The Lord said to them, you meticulously draw out even the finest or the tiniest of truths, but you missed the big picture. And he talks about the weightier matters. And he applies this. He talks about the weightier matters as being judgment and mercy, and faith. And I believe that some truths cannot be understood only by looking at black letters on a white page. How many of you, has God ever talked to you in your past and given you a revelation or given you an understanding? And maybe you didn't know that the Word of God backed it up, but you came and you looked in the Word of God and you found that the Word of God backed it up. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you, God gave a a revelation before you ever clearly understood it in the Word of God. However, be careful. If God talked to you about something or gave you a revelation, if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, it is not the Word of God. It is not true. So if your revelation is not in the Bible, I won't listen to you. I'll still love you, but I won't listen to you. If you hang on to something that someone did to you and you can't forgive, then God will hold you to that same judgment. I really love Matthew's version of what Jesus' words were in Matthew 7, 1 through 5. Judge not, and you shall not be judged, for with the With what judgment you judge, you will be, or you shall be judged, and with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. So, and he goes on, he says, "And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye?" Now, the way I translate that is you got a speck of dust, in, or, or you're judging the speck of dust in your neighbor's eye or your friend's eye or your relative's eye, but you got a two-by-four in your own. And, and so in verse 4 it says, And how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and beholdest the beam that is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye. Let me stop and say this. Before we feel like we need to deal with other people, we should deal with ourselves first. In fact, I have found over the years that if I will deal with myself, I can ignore what my brother or sister is doing most of the time because what I'm doing is far worse than what they're doing. But I lift up their sin, and I put it up high. I lift up what they're doing, and I put it up high. And I take what I'm doing, and I put it down low. But if I will judge myself first, if I will deal with my sin, if I will deal with what's wrong with me, then I can ignore most of what's going on with other people and by the way it's not my it's not my place to judge them either and neither is it yours is it the moment we set us ourselves up as judge and jury now the lord says okay this is the judgment that you're going to hold them by guess what i'm holding you by the same judgment I'm not sure if I'm going to get this across the way that God gave it to me, but I'm sure going to try. He says, "Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the mote out of thine bro- thy own brother's eye." What he's saying is this: uh, Deal with this right here. Deal with your heart. Uh, deal with your mind. Deal with yourself, uh, and then you'll see clearly. But when you got this two by four in your eye, you can't see or see straight. Amen. The moat in Scripture is referred to as a dry twig or straw, but what the beam that is referred to is literally kind of like what we would call a carrying beam. It is a timber. It is a support structure. So obviously there's a huge difference between a piece of straw and a big beam that would be a support structure. And so what he's saying is you forgive yourself easy, but you hold grudges on people for lesser crimes. About a week or so ago, I reposted something that I saw on Facebook, and it was really good. It simply said this, yesterday is heavy, put it down. Yesterday is heavy, put it down. I don't know who I'm talking about today, but if there's something you have been carrying around for years, it's like you've got this big old piece of luggage that you're dragging around with you all the time. Now, I just flew out to General Conference, and I have this principle of flying. First of all, I love to fly, but I don't trust that I'm going to get my luggage when it's done. So I take all the important stuff, and I put it in what I'm going to carry on the plane. (laughs) Hello? I put all the important stuff in something I carry with me on the plane. And the stuff that is not as important, I'll put in the belly of the plane. I'll, I'll, I'll send that through. And so on the way there, I applied that principle. On the way back from conference, there was a smaller airplane, so they, they said, listen, the plane is full. The overhead is going to be full, so uh, we will check your luggage for free. I'm like, free? I, I'm in. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I mean, when you got to pay thirty bucks a bag that's kind of ridiculous, you know anyhow so so I'm like, all right, here, take my luggage and, and i'm I, i'm I'm walking through the airport, don't have any luggage, but I'm coming back, so it doesn't really matter if they lose it, I still got stuff at home. going the way there, i'm not going to take the chance. No, you can't have my luggage, you can't pry it out of my cold, dead hands on the way there, but on the way home. Take it. I don't care. You lose it. I'll get myself a couple new suits. That's fine with me, you know. But on the way there, I got meetings an hour from the time I land. You kind of get the concept. And, And so uh, so yesterday is heavy you need to put it down so many of us walk around life like we're carrying around luggage we we come to church and we're carrying the same luggage we've been carrying for the last 20 years uh, the last 10 years and we're wheeling it into church and we sit it right next to us where we're sitting in our, in our chair in church uh, and we go to the altar and we wheel it to the altar and the preacher says you know what if you leave your problems here that everything will be better when you leave and walk out those doors and, and we think about leaving our luggage there at the altar, but we are too comfortable with our luggage. We're too comfortable with our problems. We're too comfortable with what we're harboring. So we walk away from the altar carrying the same garbage that we brought to church. But I want to preach to somebody today. If you will take your junk and leave it at the altar, if you will take your problems, if you will take your unforgiveness, if you will take your bitterness and leave it at the altar, God will bless you. And you'll walk away from this place with free and liberty in your life, uh, you will know what true joy and what true peace is like. Let's clap our hands to the Lord. So the Bible says, take heed what you hear. In other words, uh, be thankful for the truth. Uh, I am so glad that God brought me into a church that preaches and believes the truth. But there's another part of that. Be sure that you share that truth. If God gave you the truth, you've got to give it to somebody else. I knew that was going to get quieter. There are people all over the world that would love to hear what you know. Now, I, I, I can't give you details of this, but I can tell you this part of it. One of the night services at our general conference, a man that preached the conference, they told the conference, they said, no pictures, no Facebook posts. We're not going to record this message. We don't want you sharing it. We don't want you sharing this man's name to anyone else. And a man came up and he preached what i thought i absolutely believe is the best general conference message i've ever heard in my life it was absolutely phenomenal and the reason they restricted the reposting of it and the and and, and the recording of it and everything is because this man happens to be a bit missionary to nations that aren't supposed to have christians in them and so they're trying to protect his life and the life of his children But as he was preaching about opportunities that they had, when, when uh, I mean literally they could lose their lives simply for standing up for the word of God and preaching it and how God was giving revival and changing lives and people were k- being converted to the truth I was thinking man if somebody can, can hazard their life uh, and if they can go to a nation where at any moment they can drag them out of their home uh, and drag them into the ste- streets and put a gun uh, to their head or put a sword to their neck uh, but they can go with fear and saying, God, we know that we're going to trust you and you're going to go with us and God's message is going to get out. There are thousands, hundreds of thousands of people that are getting saved in nations that don't, they're not even supposed to have Christian people in them. I felt so convicted because we can't walk across the street to talk to our neighbor. Hebrews 2 and 1 says, Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we let them slip. Uh, What it's telling us is this. Uh, I mean, if you heard the truth uh, and if you believed it, hang on to it. Don't just let it slip through your fingers. Uh, Amen. If you let it slip through your fingers, it's going to be a total waste. Uh, But take what God has given you and take it to somebody else. Uh, Letting it slip is when I just apply it to myself. Uh, and don't give it to anybody else. What is our God asking us to do? In fact, I'd like to tailor that thought directly to you. What is God asking you to do? And I want you to think about it for a moment. What is God asking you to do? Sometimes we compare ourselves to others as if somehow we might measure up in our own eyes. We slack off sometimes and say, well, at least I'm better than so-and-so. But what if God calls you to more and to better? Your measurement shouldn't compare yourselves to others. It should be, God, what do you want me to do? I'm not sure we pray that prayer very often. Because if we prayed it more, we'd probably be doing more. So we choose not to pray the prayer because we don't want to feel the conviction for not doing what God commissioned us to do. So my question again, or the next question is, what are, you, what are you doing for God? I believe that we are in danger if we think that somehow we could coast into heaven, that one's good to post on Facebook, by the way. I think we are in danger if we think we could coast into heaven. How many? How many of you guys, when you were kids, ever ever made like a go kart? Any? Any? Or maybe some of you ladies did. I don't know. Uh, you know. Yeah. You know. My first go-kart didn't have a motor on it. It was wheels and wood. Anybody ever ride on one of those? Anybody? Is there a lady here that's ever ridden on one? Okay. Good. There's some tomboys in the house. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. It's not going to go anywhere if it's flat. You've got to get it up on a hill. When we get up on the hill, what's going to happen? it's going to go. It's going to roll. Well, that lasts only so long. I remember building a wooden go-kart and, and, you know, going three or four or five miles an hour was just not good enough for me. Carlos knows what I'm talking about. (laughs) And so I took that wooden go-kart and I had this lawnmower. It was a self-propelled lawnmower. And I I had the blades cut off of it so it wouldn't be too dangerous. And I jury-rigged it somehow, and I cut the back end off of that that, that wooden go-kart, and I put this lawnmower engine on there, self-propelled lawnmower engine. It went from three miles an hour to about seven miles an hour. I thought my hair was on fire. And then that lasted just so long. And I'm like, this thing just is not going fast enough. And so I got myself a real go-kart with a real engine and a torque converter and a chain and all that kind of stuff. And, man, that thing, you know, I would take that thing down the street as illegal as it was, Brother Kane. I mean, I rode that thing down the street. I remember remember taking it to the gas station. I pulled up like I was in a Mercedes-Benz. I drove it up to the road, and I pulled it up to that gas pump, looked up at the guy and said, fill her up. (laughs) Seven cents later, it was full. Of course, that's when gas was probably 50 cents a gallon, but seven cents later, it was full. Thank you very much, sir. Keep the change, and off I was. And I remember going down the street, and this thing would cook. It It would go. I'm cruising down the street, happy as could be, and all of a sudden I hear, I hear sirens behind me. Whoop, whoop, whoop. I look back over my shoulder. I hit the gas and took off, man. It still would only top off at about maybe 25 miles an hour, but he still couldn't catch me. I mean, he was right behind me, but I took that thing off real road into the woods, and I vanished. Hallelujah. <laughs> I don't even know where I came from on that story. Now Lord's got to talk to me. Get me back on track, Lord. <laughs> so, but, but, you know, the, the life, life can be funny. And, and, and when we talk about coasting, when we want to coast through life and we want to just hum, so, somehow slip into heaven, but I don't think we can just slip into heaven because the Bible says heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. You've got to want to do more than just slip into the back door of heaven. You want to go marching right through the front door carrying all those people that you have won to God with you. Amen and in the scriptures in Matthew 11:12 it says and from the days of John the Baptist until now the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violence take it, violence take it by force. So I'm I'm afraid that not too many uh, of us really pray about what God wants us to do. It is without question that he wants us to be soul winners. Can I get an amen? But we need to pray and ask the Lord what, what he wants us to do in his kingdom. The disciples gave their lives for the word of God. And we have a hard time with getting a splinter for the word of God. Okay, you can chew on that one later. The disciples gave their lives to do the work of God. You know what I was thrilled about yesterday? We, 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 had, we had the men's fellowship yesterday. Man, you guys missed it. We caught fish. We, we had that deep sea fishing trip. and most you know, Quite a few of you couldn't come. That's okay. But we went, and we had a great time. But as we were talking, when they were going from fishing area to fishing area, we were talking about the word of God, and we were talking about the things of God. And I noticed that there was a young man that was sitting about four rows back. You know, they had these tables that were there, and he kept watching us. And I could tell he was listening to us. There were others that were ignoring what we were saying, but he was listening. And a couple of moments later, he could have come up, and he stood right next to us. And we started talking, to, he started talking to us, and we started ta- talking to him about the things of God. And he told us what he was going through and the troubles and the things that are going on in his life and how he had taken a wrong turn in, in his walk with God and, and he's facing some potential jail time. And he was just pouring his heart out to us. And we prayed with him. Here you got a boat full of macho fishermen. And this guy comes over and we say, can we pray for you? And he reached over and we prayed with him. It wasn't, we weren't jumping around and shouting all over the boat. But we just prayed for him and we prayed for God's mercy and we prayed for God to deal with him and bring him back. And I gave him my cell phone number and I said, call me and I'll get you connected with a great church. And, 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 and I'm thinking about that. And I'm thinking like, you know, some of us would be so offended if opportunity like that came up and we'd be like, "Ah, wrong place, wrong time. Let me ask you, what in the world do we ever? Why, how can we comprehend wrong place, wrong time? When we're talking about somebody's salvation, when we're talking about somebody being reached with the word of God and somebody's life being changed, there is no wrong place and wrong time. We somehow think this is church. It's the building. We come. We sing three songs. We take the offering, and hopefully they won't beg for a second or third offering. We never do that. And, and and we think this is somehow a church and we rub shoulders and we shake hands and hug necks and we think this is church. This is not church. This is the gathering of the saints of God, and it is good, and it's good to be in the house of God, and it's important, but church is outside these windows. Church is outside these doors. When you can take what God has done in your life, don't tell me that the tragedy that happened in your life is somehow going to destroy you forever. You can take that abuse. You can take that neglect. You can take that assault. You can take that problem that came against you and was thrust upon you, and God can use it for him his glory. I understand life hurts. I understand there's problems that come our way. But I don't believe that we should just shove it to the side and forget it. Somehow we've got to take the things that have happened in our lives uh, and look for an opportunity for somebody else uh, that will take that testimony, that will take that victory in your life, uh, that will take that thing that you went through and you can bless them and show them that, yes, uh, it was tragic and, yes, it hurt, uh, but I can take it and still live for God. Amen. If we are to be anything like the early church, we must take the church outside of these four walls. If, we are go- if God has been merciful to me, I owe it to other people to be merciful to them. If God has been good to me, that I owe it to other people to be good to them because with what measure I meet it's going to be measured back to me again I love Luke 6:38 given it shall be given unto you good measure pressed down shaken together and running over shall men give into your bosom for with the same measure that you meet with all it shall be measured to you again so good measure uh, good measures by us and, and And our level of obedience to the Word of God is important. If you haven't learned it yet, and I'm just going to hit on this quickly, but your tithe really isn't an offering. It really isn't. We think it is, but your tithe is obedience to the Word of God. You don't start giving until you give beyond that. That's the reality. Check the Word of God. Amen. And, and so we need to understand that. We can't expect God to rebuke, rebuke the devourer if we can't give what God tells us to give in the first place. And I'd like to get the attention of the teenagers and the young people that are in here today today. Don't tell me you got to wait to be an adult, quote-unquote, and graduated from high school to start tithing. If you're mowing lawns, start tithing. If you're washing somebody's windows, start tithing. Start early. Start young. If you will get into that principle now, listen, I know because God has blessed me time and time again. If you will learn to do it right, even with low income, God will bless you. And some people are already out there saying, oh, the pastor wants more money. No, that's not what it's about. It's about your blessings. So the Bible tells us to be careful what we, are he- what we hear. It says we are responsible for what we hear. We need to hear the truth, and we need to obey it. We need to hear the truth and share it, and we need to reject false teaching. In Matthew 7 and 2, in the New International Version, it says this, For in the same measure you judge others, you will be judged with the measure that you use. It will be measured to you again. Amen. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10 in uh, verse 12, it says, For we, we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, But they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves amongst themselves is not wise. If you are not capable of as much as somebody else is, that's okay. I'll say it again. If you are not as capable of as much as somebody else is, that's okay. Do your best. But if you are capable of doing more than you're doing now, it's not okay. It's all right. I got at least a couple friends in here. If you are capable of doing more than you're doing now, it's not okay. You need to do better. In God's economy, what judgment, what unforgiveness you harbor, It will be measured to you again. Measurement for measurement, inch for inch, that's the way God works. But in God's economy, and this is what I love, he says, give, and I'll give back to you. So in the positive note, when it's the negative, unforgiveness, and judgment, he's going to meet that same judgment, whatever measurement we apply that he's going to apply to us. But in a positive note, give, and it will be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. That's the word of God. And when we give abundant grace, he will meet back to us even greater grace. When we give abundant forgiveness, he will measure back to us even greater abundance and forgiveness. He will leave 99 incapable hands to go back and reach for that one person that's still struggling. That's the God that we serve. If you forgive, He will forgive you. When you do good, He will respond back to you with even greater things. Be stingy with God, and He's going to be stingy with you. That's the Word of God. He, you know he, he he gave so much so that we could have life and that more abundantly in John 15 13 it says greater love hath no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends and obviously that is talking about the Lord greater love hath no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends we know that as our savior but what about us greater love would I I couldn't have any greater love than if I would lay my my life down for my friends, for my co-workers, for my neighbors. Amen. God wants us to do better than we're doing today. And so when we're talking about how do you measure, I'm not asking you to, and if Miss sister Melanie would come, I'm not asking you to look around the church and say, well, so-and-so is doing this, and -and so-and-so is doing that, and this one is living that, and that one's living this. No. How do you stack up in the grand account of things as far as God's kingdom is concerned. Uh, What has God called you to do? What is God talking to you about? Uh, What is God asking you to do in your life? Uh, Don't measure yourself by other people. Measure yourself by what God is calling you to do. If you would stand with me. The interesting thing about that young young man that I was telling you about yesterday on that fishing trip And I know he's not exactly where he needs to be right now. But we prayed for him. He came back later and we talked to him again. There were tears in his eyes. And I believe God's going to usher him back into the family of God. Now, some of you may not understand this, and I realize that this could gender some questions, but I'm going to come out and say it. After we prayed for him, he prayed for me. And his words were this. He said, I see fire and revival in your church. And he started naming off things that he saw he felt that God was talking to him about. And there were things of revival and expansion and growth. Some people say, well, could God use a backslidden person's prayer? Yes, he can. Yes, he can. You say, how can someone like that, that is far away from God, see? I can't explain it to you. I wish I could. All I know is that God is good. And we try to fit God into a tiny little box and say, this is what God does. This is how he does it. When God says, you know what? You've missed it for years. I can even take somebody that is far away from me right now, and I can bless your church. I can bless your life. If he can use somebody that is far away from God and speak truth out of his mouth, how much more the child of God that is serving God on a daily basis. uh, And we refuse, we shut our mouth. You know what? Some of us need to just step step out of our comfort zone. When God starts telling you to pray with your coworker, coworker, go pray with them. When God tells you to stop that person in the grocery store aisle and talk to them about the goodness of God, talk to them about how God delivered you from drugs and alcohol, you better do it. Take the church out of the walls. Take God out of his box. We somehow think it's normal to have just regular church, but God wants us to break out of this, and God wants to do explosive things. I can't wait till Main Street USA this coming weekend. I really am not too happy about the fact that there's a conflict with the prayer uh, thing that's going on on Saturday. But this is something we got to do. we got to get outside the church. Uh, I look forward. It would be awesome to pray through somebody through the Holy Ghost uh, and at Walnut Hill Park. We somehow think in God's economy that addition is enough. But I don't think addition in this hour is enough. I think God wants to multiply. Amen. Prophecy after it, prophecy have come about our church and the explosive things that God is going to do here and the ministries that are going to be birthed out of this church. I believe every single one of it, one of them, and I stand on it because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will fulfill his word. So in the closing moments of this message, I just want, do want to give you an opportunity. Brother Brown is going to come and lead this altar call if he doesn't mind my comment to you is, or the message title is this, what do you measure? What do you measure? What is it that you need to take to God? And if you're here today, if there's unforgiveness in your heart, why don't you just take it back to God? And if you came here with a whole bunch of luggage that you're dragging around day after day, hour after hour, year after year, Why don't you finally, and at this moment, take it to the altar and just leave it here. You will walk away so light and free because of God's forgiveness. I remember as if it was yesterday, the day that I asked God, that I repented of my sins, I asked God to forgive me. I remember as it was yesterday, how I walked out of church just feeling so light and so clean. Most, if not all of you, know what I'm talking about. And if you don't know that feeling, you should know that feeling before you leave this house. Now, I'm not in this message in any way trying to diminish anything that has ever happened in your life. But I do know this. God doesn't want it to cripple you. God wants to use it to propel you into something great. Amen. We're going to sing. These altars are open. Does anybody want to come and talk to the Lord this morning? Is there anybody here that you're harboring some bitterness or some unforgiveness? Once and for all take it to the Lord take it to this altar today ask God to help you with it if you're one of those that I'm talking about that you're not doing as much as God wants you to do because you haven't really prayed about it why don't you pray about it and ask what God wants you to do and what God wants you to do, do it do it with faith do it with victory, do it with the peace of mind that God could do great things in your life It could be that there's missionaries in this service right now, future missionaries here right now. It could be that there's future preachers here right now. It could be that there's someone here that God is going to use your testimony and you think of yourself as a nobody. And maybe in your own eyes that's true, but God is going to take that person that you think is a nobody and do something great. It was through Barnabas and his ministry that a Paul was ushered into the ministry. And in God's economy, I believe somehow he credits back what somebody else does is great. And maybe, you win, maybe you'll win only one person in your entire life to God. But then that person might go on and win hundreds and thousands. And somehow in God's economy, you get some credit for that. But don't be satisfied with winning one person. If you're, if you could possibly reach a hundred, or a thousand, or a million. So I'm going to turn it over to Brother Brown. Is there anybody else that wants to come? Let's talk to the Lord this morning.
2: Lord Jesus, we come before you. I'm asking that you would touch our hearts right now, Lord, as you've already touched with your word, Lord, and continue to allow the moving of your spirit to mix with the speaking of your word today. And I'm asking, Lord, you would reveal to us, Lord, if there be anything in our lives that we need to let go of, any things we need to release, Lord, if there's any luggage we've been carrying around, God, that we need to be able to leave it, Lord, give us the courage to leave it here. In the altar today to leave it in your hands and truly let you take it Lord uh, so that you can perform the healing in our lives that that you want to perform God so that you can propel us into the future that you that you have uh, prepared for us god we don't want the past to hinder our future and it should not be able to the only way the past has uh, the ability to hinder our future is if we hang on to it but Lord if we will step out of it and let go of it and leave it and walk away from it God you will do the work of healing and restoration that we so desperately need so God I'm asking that you would help me, help us Lord if there's anything we need to let go Lord let us be able to do it right now Lord Even in this moment, God, release us from the bitterness that has plagued us. Release us from the pain that we've held on to. Release us from the grudges that we've been holding. Release us, God, from the the hurt. God, uh, release us even from the worry, Lord, that we keep hanging on to. Release us, Lord, from, from the ideas that we've had, that that, that uh, people have put into our minds that are not true, God. The, the, the bad thoughts, the negative thoughts that people have said about us, God. That the impressions that have been made upon us about ourselves that were not of you. God, release us from those things right now. And let those voices be silent, Lord, that would speak negativity into our lives in the name of Jesus. Lord open our ears to hear your words speaking to us this morning open up our eyes Lord to see the steps that you're laying out for us to see the glorious future that you have for us Lord if there's any sin that
1: is in our lives
2: Lord we repent of it right now God forgive us Lord we We renounce that sin right now in the name of Jesus. We're sorry for it, Lord. We ask you to forgive us. We want to lay it aside. And every weight, Lord, that would hinder us and hold us back, and slow us down, Lord, we let them go and we release them right now into your hands, God. Lord, I'm asking for everyone that is here right now, give us the courage to pray that prayer. What is it, Lord, that you want me to do? Give me the courage to truly pray that prayer. What, Lord, do you want me to do? What, Lord, do you want to do through me? Come. What direction do you want me to go? What steps do you want me to take? You said in your word that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And so, Lord, if any way I've, I've not allowed you to order my steps, forgive me, God. But my eyes are open so that you can order my footsteps before me, God. I, I, I give my life to you and I surrender to you so that you, God, can Order my steps, Lord. Uh, Show me where my feet need to be. Uh, Show me the direction you want me to go. Show me what you want my hands to do. Uh, Give me the words you want me to speak, God. Give me the plans for my life, Lord, that you have for me. For you know the thoughts that you think toward me, Lord. Uh, Thoughts of peace and not of evil to bring about an expected end, Lord. You have a plan. Let me see your plan and let me live according to your plan and not just my plan. For your plans are far greater for me. So what is it, Lord, that you would have me to do? Let me hear your voice. Let me see the steps you're laying out for me. Lord, I lose faith in this place to walk by faith. I lose faith to step out and act upon the words that you have given us, the things you have spoken to us, Lord. Whatever those things are that you are asking us to do, God, I release faith in this atmosphere for us to be able to take those steps and do those things. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Why don't you look around if you feel like there's somebody that that you'd like to pray with. God is doing a work in this altar right now. The praise singers are going to sing. God is doing a work right now in this altar. God is moving as a praise singer. Sing. Why don't you look around and see if there's anybody that you feel the Lord leading you to pray with. And Why don't you step out and do it right now. In Jesus' name.
1: you sure. sure.
3: Thank you for your forgiveness, Lord Jesus. We love you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Gloria a Dios. Gracias, Señor Jesús. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. What a beautiful word. What a beautiful message of the Lord. Hallelujah. Gloria a Dios. The Lord has talked to us. It's up to us to follow his word. Amen. Amen. Gloria a Dios. Brothers and sisters, I just want to uh, encourage you to go to um, the uh, fellowship on purpose today. At Carabin Farms, we'll be uh, meeting at the church at 2:30. But if you wanna meet us at uh, the farm, it's gonna be uh, 894 Andrew Street in Salinton. And uh, this afternoon we don't have the Spanish service because we wanna go to the fellowship on purpose. Amen. Gloria a Dios, a uh, 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 los hermanos que nos acompañaron anoche, gracias por habernos acompañado en el servicio de anoche, estuvo muy excelente, muy lindo, esperamos que siempre, así como nos acompañaron anoche, así nos acompañen siempre para estos servicios, porque el ministerio hispano, la, la, el, el pueblo hispano nos necesita a nosotros y vamos siempre a apoyarnos unos a otros como nos hemos apoyado siempre en el nombre del Señor Jesús, amén. Gloria a Dios. Esta tarde no tenemos servicio en español, pero el jueves estamos siempre en en el mismo horario. Amén. Gloria a Dios. Everybody is dismissed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amén.